Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, great podcast on tap tonight. We are joined, as is annual tradition, by our good friend, Captain Jack Andrews uh, of Unabated. Uh, and uh, the annual tradition I'm referring to, of course, is the fourth anniversary now of effectively the Passport repeal, um, which honestly, four years. What? Yeah. <laughs> this has been four years. I got and I've done a couple of interviews lately where people ask, how'd you get started doing this? And I did like said out loud, like, oh, yeah, 2016, I started. And I, oh, my God. And, it was, and then, yeah, and not only like not only are we now far removed from this being uh, a thing um but the pandemic itself makes before time feel like infinity years ago like it is like years and years and years have gone on here um time got weird yeah time did time got weird for a little bit uh and uh the last couple of these we were just joking off the air last couple of these were different (laughs) because we were reflecting on the state of the industry in the midst of a global pandemic um, and, uh, you know, here we are now kind of coming out of it. Uh, we are on the heels of, um, an absolutely wild football season in terms of expenditure by the sports books landscape. Um, yeah. you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the kind of predictions about where we're going from here are going to be all over you know, wider, wider range of distributions than I ever thought we would have here four years in. Um, so without further ado, welcome back to the deep dive, Captain Jack Andrews. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, so, fourth anniversary is, I believe, uh, a fruit or um, <laughs> uh, I forget what the other uh, flowers, fruit or flowers. So, I, I didn't get you flowers or fruit. So, you know, I'll expect an edible arrangement on my desk. <laughs> oh, that been great. I got I got one of those from a vendor one time, and I I came back to my office. I'm like, what the hell is this? The guy's like a fruit boat that you eat. Oh, yeah, this is the worst. Yeah. Well, nowadays, if you're looking for curry and favor in this industry, it costs you a lot more than an edible fruit basket, Andy. Yes. Um, the uh, because this is competitive space, and uh, you know we are. It, it has been a very weird year, uh, ultimately, in how things have played out. Um, as you know, according to your notes, which you sent us, and much appreciated for that, uh, we have 31 legalized states and jurisdictions right now in the United States where you can make a bet. That's over half. Last time I counted. Um, and yet it still feels like we got a long way to go before there really is sort of widespread sports betting in the United States. Is that generally your read on things, Captain? Yeah. You know, you would think after 30 states or so, we'd say, oh, we finally got this right. Uh, but the states continue to just trip over themselves. And I think I've said it every year that I've been here is that uh, the states continue to trip over themselves in rolling this out. And we have yet to find the perfect state model. And it's, it's sort of disconcerting at this point. I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to get it right, right. Uh, it's just going to have to be, you know, we always sort of shake our fist at the clouds and say, oh, this could have been better. I think that's just our, our fate. Utah's just biding their time and they're they're waiting they're making everyone else make the mistakes and we're going to get it just just right in the year 2150. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh no, I mean it, it is interesting and that's the thing that you see a lot of and you know some of the content you put out or just your tweeting, you and Fonz too, just some of the guys that are 
not only just reporting on, but following it out of just a general interest, you see like what decision, and it's always come back to money, right? Like all these bad decisions, it's somebody was either given bad advice about this yeah. is going to be more money for us or they didn't, uh, they didn't get the right consultants in there. And they said, this is going to be more money. Cause I think a lot of like, you go to like college football and be like, Oh, why do they do this this way for the, you know, the national title game or the bowl season? Like, cause they make a boatload of money and they know it. Like there's a lot of money there, but I think a lot of these are like, Hey, we did this because we're greedy, but it actually was the wrong decision. We could have made more money a different way. I think there's like 10 States like that, where it's like, sure. you're, you're just limiting, you're limiting your tax revenues by screwing things up this way. Yeah. You know, it comes down to, I've talked to a lot of regulators. I've talked to a lot of legislators over the over the years. And a lot of them say, well, it depends on what kind of industry you want to build. Do you want to build a competitive industry where volume will become scale and then whatever tax rate you put on it will help grow that industry and become a market in your environment? Or do you want to treat this as a sin tax and just tax it heavily with very few operators uh, don't really give the consumers a capitalistic market to work in, just something that, you know, gets them where they want to be in terms of being able to place a bet uh, and, tr and treat it that way. And that dichotomy of the two different ways that states are treating gambling and especially sports gambling, it, you know, it's night and day. Are you treating it like it's a market where people can possibly win or are you treating it as um, an entertainment tax where, uh, you're going to lose. So here you just got to pay your your dues. OK, so when you got into this and the political side of things in particular, were you cynical going into it and or have you moved the needle in either way? Like, oh, my God, this is so much harder than I ever realized to do it right. Or uh, have you been like kind of pleasantly surprised by um, the people who are in power are not entirely making decisions simply on the basis of what is best for them and, and their bottom line? I'm probably more cynical now than I was before, but I'm also hopeful that these laws are not necessarily written in stone in a lot of states. Uh, New Jersey made one crucial mistake when they legalized is they made it so that it was the constitutional amendment and it required basically passing an amendment to the constitution to change much of anything. And that's why we still can't wager on New Jersey schools or events happening in New Jersey at a collegiate level because they couldn't push that amendment back through the, the ballot referendums. I'm So I'm a little bit hopeful that some states still have the opportunity to get it right, even though they've done poorly so far. And we're starting to see with New York, for instance, this 51% tax, well, the the operators are now saying it's, it's untenable. And yeah, no duh, it, it's absolutely untenable. Uh, and there's going to be pushback and enough that maybe they'll modify that. Maybe they'll change to make it a more competitive industry in New York. Um, but I'm also more cynical than I was because there are still all these new states that think they have to reinvent the wheel every time they bring up sports betting. Look, there's plenty of good patterns to follow here. You don't have to constantly be coming up with a new way to do it. There's billions of dollars being wagered in some of these states. Just copy that. And and you'll you'll probably get billions of dollars wagered. If you if you pick the best parts of like a few of the states who aren't doing it horribly, like you'd be not. I think and you know you said no one's doing it perfectly. I don't think anyone ever does anything perfectly. You can look at any industry. You know, there's flaws in every industry, every every part of you know 
life, really. I mean, we've seen that with go look at how the, the logistics and shipping industry got hit with the pandemic thing. You know, just like fail safes aren't there for certain things. And there's always things that are screwed up. But it is, it is wild. The, the, the thing with New Jersey, I keep forgetting that. So like if they wanted to make a change, they would need to have a ballot measure that would have to be voted on and pass. Yeah, and this? they did this past November, November 2021. They, mm. they oh, had I remember that to yes. remove that that line item that said that you can't place a bet on a collegiate game, place in, wait, um, played in New Jersey or any New Jersey team competing anywhere, and uh, it it had no chance of passing because the sports books didn't spend any money lobbying for it. They just don't care, uh, and the the constituents were like. We're already getting tons of the commercials of this FanDuel DraftKings commercials all the time. Therefore, we don't want more commercials. So let's not vote in favor of more sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, they're going to have to do it again because in 2025, I think it is, uh, the NCAA men's tournament regional finals are in Newark. And so that's going to be that the, might be a know, good catalyst to actually get people <laughs> right. Because I mean, it's 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 like what you said when the initial ballot measure was there. You can get people to the polls, say, like, if you vote on this initiative, we can have legalized sports betting. Oh, yeah, we can be one of the first to do it. Like, that could get people up and voting. But, like, hey, you guys, we really, really want you to be able to bet on Monmouth football. And, you know, yeah. if, if, if you want to bet on the Rutgers game this weekend. or you know, and It's funny. We had St. Peter's make a run. Like, New Jersey got some shine there. But um, St. Peter's, Jersey, right? Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm Peter. I, I, yeah. I had to think of there's such a the tri state schools are such a mess, they're all right in there. But yeah, it's it's hard to sell that. Hey, we need to get out to the polls so we can, you know, there so you can add 11 more teams to the 340 college basketball teams you can bet. So, it's tough sell. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, is it fair to say that, um, there is still a refusal to sort of learn, you know, use lessons learned for new states? Oh, absolutely. And we're seeing okay. it with a lot of these states that are just now getting to it. Uh, you guys are, you guys both live in one of those those states. Uh, but we're seeing it, the, the major thing we're seeing in the Midwest states, it is, uh, well, we know gambling is kind of bad, so therefore we don't want to encourage uh, you know, irresponsible, bad gambling, problem gambling, things like that. Well, the problem is, is people in the Midwest are betting on sports, whether you have it legal or not. You know, mm-hmm. Andy can attest to this. Uh, they're either driving to your neighboring states and getting their bets in in a regulated market or they're betting offshore or they're sure. betting through locals. That's not going to stop problem gambling. That's not going to stop bad gambling behavior. What it's actually going to do is limit the amount of funds that are being siphoned from a successful industry to treat problem gambling. Uh, Nevada's made this mistake for decades is the state that spends the least per revenue on problem gambling initiatives is Nevada. And the reason they do so is because problem gamblers aren't their problem. At the end of the weekend, they put them on a plane, they send them back to some other state to deal with. So there's actually not a lot of need for problem gambling reform in Nevada. Um, I think some of these other states are kind of doing that right now is, you know, they, the people that are coming to New Jersey to bet are going back to New York and Pennsylvania at the end of the weekend. At least they were. Now there's legal betting in both of those jurisdictions. But the thing is, they are no longer kind of having to to deal with it. And some of these new states better realize that, like, 
their people are betting and their people are running into problem gambling scenarios, Mm -hmm. whether they like it or not. So they might as well legalize it to at least tax it and treat it. Okay. So if it's fair to say that the new states aren't going to learn from less, you know, the lessons of other states, they're going to learn the hard way themselves. Um, And if, I I mean, are there examples to this point where a state, maybe it is New York, set up something poorly and is like actively trying to make it better along the way? And what is it? Does it take like a like a champion within like the government who is really like trying to, um, you know, improve things and an impetus of the government broadly to make it succeed uh, in order to kind of effectively uh, you know, change and tweak things and, and there has to be some numbers guys. for everything. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some numbers guys who just look at the, like it, maybe it's part of their job. Maybe they're an accountant who works for, you know, one of these jurisdictions and can see like where the money's going on something like this. And then maybe can see numbers from other States or just better run States. There has to be somebody who just realizes like, this is, this is horrible. Like how we've set this up with this tax rate and the, you know, the amount of operators that we're going to limit here. I don't know that one of the ones I think, and you joked or didn't joke. I mean, it's actually happening. I drive to Iowa sometimes if there's a really good line on a, on a legal book I want. And, you know, I feel like Iowa. And if you ignore how Illinois did with the mobile betting flip flop back and forth, I feel like those two aren't horrible setups as far as they have a lot of operators. They have completely mobile sign up at this point and the tax rate isn't bad. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Iowa's tax rate isn't horrid, but of course it's also, it's Iowa. Yeah, no, they, those are examples of decent States. Illinois is getting there. I mean, Illinois should really be the market leader across the country. They have the highest population of any, uh, legalized gambling state outside of New York. They should really be the ones pulling in a billion dollars in handle each month, but they're not because they had that stupid in-person registration rule and they have a limit on the number of operators. Uh, but they've, they've done a decent job. So back to Drew's original question of, does it take a champion in the state? Yeah, it kind of does. And here's the problem is we're still very lobbyist driven. It's yeah. very cheap to buy a state legislator to do your bidding. And they've all been bought and they've all been, uh, you know, the, they've done their, their job. And now they, they say, okay, I'm on to the next uh, lobbyist who, who wants a piece here. Uh, nobody's circling back and going, okay, how do I make this better? Uh, because they've already done the job that they were paid to do. That's why I always wanted to have a consumer voice is because the things that are good for the consumer are never even considered. They're never even brought up. Sure. And it's just so frustrating. So you really got to fall backwards into a good state setup. And each state along the way has has some really good things and some some lousy things. Um, You know, here's a good example for for uh, Andy, Minnesota. They were right on the cusp this week. The House passed sports betting. The Senate declined. Um, The House sports betting bill had a 10 percent tax rate, and that tax rate was going to fund the regulatory process, uh, problem gambling, and um, some kind of youth initiative thing. All right, 10% of revenue in a state the size of Minnesota population-wise, that's not going to fund the regulatory, let alone all those other things as well. So that tax rate was probably too low. Um, And the reason that Minnesota didn't pass is because the tribes wanted exclusivity of sports betting. And in Minnesota, you have both tribal and you have racetracks. 
and they don't want to work together because the tribals want the exclusivity and the house enough people were on the tribe side and in the senate enough people were on the racetrack side and uh it won't get done this year Hmm. yeah it's been it's been kind of messy up here with that and you talk about like too it has to make sense at the end of the day if you're trying to fund the regulatory like there's there's a lot of costs associated with this it's not just some hit a button and collect free money for these states they got to fund mm-hmm. you know the, the tax rates are not just there to fund other things you got to fund the regulatory and obviously if you don't have to fund any problem gambling stuff but boy that would be nice if you want to you know keep your state nice. And I, I know to be fair, the tribes do a pretty good job with some of the problem gambling stuff up here, but uh, it's, it's wild that the Racino has that much power or has that many lobbyists. It's funny. You talk about like the lobbyists, once they get their job done, they're just on, it's like full music, man. Like I'm, I'm just here to sell my, yep, sell my wares and I'm gone. And like, why, yeah, why would they care after, after something gets done? So it does like to Drew's point, you know, if things got done via a mercenary, like you said, and then things happened and, you know, nothing's so bad that enough people mind, like, what is going to change? Why would anything change? So what what do you think just uh, before I'd love to hear you talk about California, because that is the prize. Yeah, that jewel. Was really I mean, that's the prize jewel at this point, because I mean, Florida's Florida still. Well, I think even if you thing. take the 31 states, that's still not half the country population wise because we're missing California, Texas and Florida. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now getting getting New York was big and, you know, Illinois is there, but um, Ohio's not legalized, correct? They're they're legal, but they're not started yet. Yeah, so getting getting Ohio, getting California, Texas, Florida, that kind of swings the scales, even if you don't get a bunch of the, the flyover states. But Minnesota, like, what is uh, what's the end solution there? Just a higher tax rate so they can actually fund it with a, a you know, a, we have 10 votes, you know, 10 electoral votes. That's how big the state is, if you want to reference for anyone who doesn't know their state populations. It's not tiny, but it's certainly not a big state by any means. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. The tribes are going to need to learn that they need to work with the other stakeholders. And we're going to learn that when we talk about California as well. The states where they've done that, sports betting has been successful and they've benefited from it. They want exclusivity. They've always kind of had exclusivity in gaming because of IGRA, the Indian Gaming Regulation Act of 1982 or something like that. So they kind of always assume that they need exclusivity in order to survive. And that's what they're going to be telling the citizens of California. And it's not necessarily true. They can work together with other stakeholders. Look, sports betting is all mobile if if done correctly. And so, you know, why not have a piece of that? Why not have exclusivity or why not not have exclusivity, but instead have this large melting pot and go after the big brand names to be associated with your tribe, that's how you're going to get the most market share. Um, you know, the, the other thing we're seeing with a lot of these tribes is they cheap out when it comes to pairing up in these markets and they all tend to use Canby, and we kind of know how that goes for a lot of these books. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple oh, questions on California specifically. Last one on Minnesota that drew it's <laughs> I'm still, I'm still just so surprised that like the, you know, Canterbury, let's just call it Canterbury. That's the, the track. Like that they have any swing compared to like go I mean just Google it quick Drew Google who's the richest Native American tribe in the country, and it's there's different ways to measure it. What? It's got to be the Seminoles. No, it is it is the Minnewakanans up in really? Minnesota. Really? Yeah, shocking. I would have said the Seminole too. 
I'm sure Seminoles are up there. They're top five, but Minnewaukee and like the Mystic Lake. Mystic Lake is massive. That is a huge casino hotel. They have a lot of swing up here. I I thought they could just kind of bowl people over with their money and influence and just make it what whatever they wanted to have. And not like they're bad folks. I love that casino, but I just thought they they wouldn't get much resistance. So that's super interesting. I might have to actually pick up a newspaper uh, around here once in a while see what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Google says you're right. Um, so then pivoting a little bit to California and a couple of specific questions. Um, I've heard lots of different theories and takes and honestly, like yeah. the the day to day coverage for even someone who lives in California would be directly impacted by this. I'm like, oh. I've heard more about um, your California stuff than I've <laughs> yeah. heard about my Minnesota stuff, Drew. For sure. Um, my two, my general two senses, whatever they came up with in the first place is a compromise to get the, the Indian, you know, the Indian uh, uh, tribes on board, um, Native American tribes on board didn't satisfy the card room folks and the card room folks were like, we're going to spend, we're going to, we're, we're going to nuke ourselves to defeat this uh, from a advent campaign. And then they came up with something else that was another, uh, you know, kind of lame attempt at a compromise. And, but ultimately the hard part to getting the, the uh, Native American buy-in has been uh, eye gaming. Is that correct? Like they effectively see uh, why will anyone come to our casinos and play, you know, play the casino games if they can just sit on their phone and do it at home. And, you know, they, that's sort of their, you know, their, the boogeyman for them in terms of participating in any of this at all. Is that fair? Yes, that's that's pretty fair. Um, look, okay. To explain California, you got to kind of do a little bit of history. So yeah, California like has over 50 tribes and they have over 100 tribal casinos in the state. Jeez. Big economic picture. Then there's those card rooms and the card rooms have always been a little bit shady. They get busted by the feds every couple of years. Sure. There's always something going on in the card rooms. Uh, and then you have the racetracks. You have some really traditional top-tier racetracks in California. Uh, and horse racing, for whatever reason, is still gambling royalty in this country. And so they always need to be included or, or subsidized in some way. And then you have the sports leagues and the teams. And California's got a ton of teams. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of stakeholders here. Now, the tribes believe they should have exclusivity in California. And... They also are afraid, as you said, that if there is mobile betting and mobile gaming, nobody is going to want to ever come to their casinos. But they also have this situation where under IGRA, they're not allowed to have mobile betting unless there is some kind of compromise worked out with the state where there are multiple stakeholders. So they could work out something with the California Compact and have mobile betting that is run by both tribes as well as racetracks and sports leagues. And, you know, everybody gets a sports book and there'd probably still be many more to be had. Um, but they don't, they don't want that because that would make them have to compete directly with all of those other entities. And the last thing they ever want is the card rooms to get a piece of anything. Those two factions <laughs> yeah. just hate each other. Sure. Um, so you, you, so you have this kind of war going against each other. And so the, the tribals have decided that, okay, the only way we can do sports betting and keep our exclusivity is do in-person only betting at the casinos. And we have enough casinos throughout the state that that'll be no problem. Well, yeah, except tribal land in California is in faraway places typically. And so a lot of these tribal casinos are, you know, a two hour drive for a lot of Californians. 
um, it's not a very good idea. So in come the major corporations of sports betting, the DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, so on and so forth. And they pushed through enough signatures to get their ballot referendum on for November. And what their referendum says is you can offer mobile sports betting in California if you operate in 10 other states and if you divvy up, if you um, put up $100 million as your licensing fee. And steep. Yeah, well, it's a barrier to entry, Andy. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's meant to make sure that the only companies that can afford to do this are the five companies that are sponsoring this bill. Um, you know, obviously, a smaller operator like Circa could never Monarch afford to, getting in there. Yeah, they can never afford $100 million, let alone operating in 10 other states to get a license in California. It's a total yeah. poison pill because here's what it's going to do is there's going to be other operators that say, oh, I'll just buy up enough operators that I'm operating in 10 states. And there's going to be mass consolidation in other parts of the country as a result of this California bill. So what's going to happen between now and November in California is the tribes and the sportsbook operators are going to fight to the death. And literally, we've seen how these tribal casinos fight when they fight they 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 should be on gambling twitter because they are just vicious <laughs> they probably vitriolic are about every little you know, anonymous exception though. yeah, yeah they're, they're just all about winning okay so they um they're gonna have ads non-stop the operators are obviously gonna have ads non-stop but here's the irony of all of this these two ballot referendums are not one versus the other they're two separate ballot referendums there's a chance that both will pass there's a chance that neither will pass so it could be that the voters of California say, yes, tribal casinos can have sports betting. And yes, we can have mobile betting through these other operators. Uh, that would be bad for the tribes because at that point, there's going to be mobile betting in the state, which means yeah. eventually there's going to be iCasino yeah. and iGaming in the state and they won't have a piece of it. So that's the worst thing that could happen. Um, now, if the tribes get their way and their bill succeeds, their referendum succeeds, but the corporate bill does not, guess who's going to run the sports betting operations at these tribal casinos? DraftKings, FanDuel, operators. So all these same people that they just fought to the death yeah. with, or they're going to be fighting to the death with for the next six months, are the same guys that they're going to go back and go, oh, okay, you know, let's join forces now. Um, and it uh, worked on Yellowstone. I've seen it. You you can switch sides. Um, uh, so and you said the the thing that stuck out to me. There's a hundred tribes that you said. Are they? Is there some sort of coalition? Like, are they working together pretty pretty hand in hand on all this? Is there is there a consensus? Yeah. Or at least the ones that matter, the ones with the the more power, more money, more more members. So it sounds like it's a pretty united front as far as the tribal members go in California. Yeah, so there's really only five tribes that matter in California. The rest are sure. small enough that they get pushed around by what the five power tribes want. Um, San Manuel, uh, Viejos. Um, mm. I forget. Uh, anyway, I forget my tribe. The Morongo, the Pachanga, and yeah, whatever. Families, you know, whatever. Right, yeah. Morongo. Yeah, um, yeah they're, those five make all the rules. They kind of control sure. the whole thing in California. Some of those tribes are small. They got one little rinky-dink tribal casino in Northern California somewhere. Um, yeah, it's for the most part, it's five tribes that control everything in California. The, the iGaming thing, I had a question regarding <clears throat> what you've seen in states that have either tribal or, 
you know, they could, what do you call non-tribal casinos where like, like, you know, Iowa, we have a Boyd, you know, we have commercial casinos. They're just commercial. So, you know, I think you have a nice mix of that between some of these legalized states that do have iGaming. Like, has there anyone been able to prove like, Hey, guess what? There's, you can play iCasino in Michigan. Nobody's going to the, (laughs) to the casino anymore. Like there, there can't be any like blips in the radar people it's not the same like playing cards on your phone sucks i want to go roll dice by hand yeah it, I'll, I'll tell you and i look we've in new jersey we've had online casinos since 2013 um the, it's a pretty good experience and it's also you know you don't have at home you don't have smokers nearby you don't have annoying people you don't have uh you know people asking you for money. You don't have to tip the dealer. Uh, you know, it's all these things and you get really easy access to your cash. Like it's, it's literally like, dink, dink. Okay. There's another yeah. thousand dink, dink. There's another thousand. Um, and oh, they'll extend your, you know, they'll just check your bank account and you can bet up to all of your bank account. Um, it's really, really easy to bet over your head when it comes to online gambling. And I've said all along, look, I've seen it here in New Jersey you have no idea how bad this is going to be for some people like this is, you know, lose everything, jump off a building bad. Um, and it's going to be a pandemic across the country once this starts to roll through and we're going to have to shit deal with it. You know, we're going to have to up the whole problem gambling game. We're going to be yes. what the UK is right now where they're making it. So you have to prove that you have discretionary income. You have to show that you have extra income that you can wager with. Um, you know, you have to basically prove that you can be afford afford to gamble. It, it did sound like right away when you said that, I'm like, well, this is going to be really good for problem gamblers. Like, <laughs> yeah. All of that, all of that sounds horrible. Like, yeah. yeah, there's no cocktail waitresses though either. No comp, no tickets to you know. Yeah, plus the game's rigged. So honestly, <laughs> I, I do yeah, think there, I do think. Well, I think there's a good portion. I bet if you polled people who regularly play cards, dice, roulette, whatever at the casino. If you pulled them, like, do you think there's a chance that this is a fair game that you're playing on your phone? Like after they lose, uh, do it yeah. after they lose a grand at, at blackjack. They're like, no, he was no. pulling 21s out of his ass. <laughs> computer, it's rigged for I'm sure. sure the house edge is bigger, bigger than, you know, some games you can Actually, find other places in person. right? Actually the house edge is almost always lower with online games because they don't have all the overhead they have to pay for. So oh. you, you can give you the best video rules. Poker. Blackjack is always three to two. It's never six to five or, or worse Plus than that. The churn is probably a hell of a lot higher too. Well, they can right. get. They don't have to shuffle. They can get a lot of car hands per hour in. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. It's, um, it, yeah. It's it's a little depressing to think about how this might all go for the for the country if this gets yeah. really steamrolling. Yeah. Well, let's assume that all of the California stuff goes belly up because everybody's spending to defeat each other and everybody read. You know, the way California props tend to work is people are like they word them like extremely poorly. Uh, either on purpose or by accident. Like they're just impossible to communicate what you're actually voting for. And even if it sounds good, people are like, well, I don't know. uh, It doesn't sound right. I'm going to vote no. Um, But let's just just assume that nothing gets passed. Um, Is there any real momentum in a state like California to actually do something? Because the state right now has like a 
absolutely massive budget surplus. It's not like we don't we're not really existing in the same sort of macro environment that we were a couple of years ago, where it was like these states need revenue. They need to freaking figure something out like California right now is flush and we have lots of other bigger problems to deal with, um, you, know, you know, notably wildfire problems and climate change problems. But that's said that's for another day. Um, you know, I, I guess, do you get the sense that if things don't go well this cycle for big states like California, we could be looking at a longer wait to actually get any of this resolved? You know, Drew, I don't simply because California is seen as this gold mine for sport, for everything, for casino gambling in any sense. And everyone is anxious to get the gold out of the mine right now. There's going to be continued pressure from the tribes, continued pressure from the operators. Uh, and let's not forget about Vegas. You know, Vegas still has, you know, the, that's their biggest feeder market. So they want to make sure that people don't stop coming to Vegas from California. So they're going to have some, a little bit of influence here, too. Uh, I, I think it's inevitable that California legalizes betting and iGaming in some form or fashion in the next two, three years. It's just a matter of, like, who's left holding the bag for it. And, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that fight. It, it remains to be does, seen. Does that, you know, and you're, you kind of articulated why California is such an edge case because, Christ, there's, there's gold in them, their hills. Like, there's so many people. There's so much, there's so much money to be made. It doesn't matter. But like, does a budget surplus like that, a, a state who's doing well, does that affect this? So I was going to say, I just saw that in the news the other day too. Like we had a budget surplus. They're trying to, it's always funny when politicians have to figure out how to spend extra money. It's, it feels like they, they're not going to have your best interests hard. Although there is a chance that Minnesotans are just getting a, like a random, what, a, what do they go? A stimmy check. Everybody, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time. We used to the last time I think we got those. They called them Jesse checks because it was Jesse Ventura. If you want to date how long, I don't even think I got one. I'm, I wasn't of age, but does it, does that affect uh, like how a state's doing financially? If as far as if they care about this, uh, it affects the tax rate that they're going to put on the industry probably because they need to sure. raise money if they're needing money or if they don't need the money, so to speak, then they can. Uh, earmark that, those funds to something else. Look, Kansas recently legalized, and the whole reason that they pushed it through is because they're going to use 80% of the money to lure the Kansas City Chiefs to switch over to the Kansas side of the, the river um, versus being in Missouri. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it, money well it, spent. It's still going to be the operators enough. and the tribes and the stakeholders that are going to be pushing for it. It's just a matter can you find the legislator to back your plan and since okay. in california you need ballot referendums to get things like this done in the first place that's the first hurdle and then it comes uh you know figuring out how the the regulators want to make the laws in california but i, I don't okay. think it's going to stop anytime soon i years and years ago i remember there was sort of a working theory that like once the snowball rolling downhill gets enough states involved that the federal level will have to just do something about this and normalize it across the United States. It doesn't feel like we're anywhere close to that. Am I crazy? Uh, we're not close this year, but I really think we're going to hear a lot about it next year. Mm -hmm. Gambling is a divisive issue and politicians know you don't bring up divisive issues in election years. So 2020, 2022 and 2024, no way. 2021, you're still fresh in that's that presidential term. But 2024, 
or sorry, 2023, the third year where it's an off year, anything goes. And I have a feeling we're going to see somebody push it through. Um, Chuck Schumer has been talking about it out of New York. Um, he got bipartisan support the last time he talked about it. And luckily it just fell apart back in 2019. Again, third year of a, of a cycle. So uh, I think 2023, we hear about it. If we survive that, then we're good until uh, 2027. It sounds like you're pessimistic, though, if that happens. <sighs> I, would rather, I would rather have a situation here where I can travel to another state and still have choices rather than it be some kind of federal blanket setup where, you know, there's only so many operators allowed or so many things, you know, um, I, I would rather have that choice of traveling to a different state. I guess, you know, sort of sounds like a, like abortion law or something, right? You know, I was just like, going to oh. say, if we can, if we can talk about rolling back abortion law, what's going to stop them from messing with uh, yeah. you know, the federal regulations that we have here? I do like that they, even though we've, you know, spent what, 40 minutes ragging on how the states are screwing everything up. I do like that they left the states to their own devices on a lot of this. I like the choices and I like to see some states do a good job with this. There's a lot of politicians that believe that same thing, Andy, that, that state rights, that gambling is a state right issue and always will be. And I think that's why we uh, have not seen any framework in Washington about marijuana legalization, even though it's it's technically illegal on the federal level. There mm -hmm. hasn't been any kind of talk of enforcement of any any kind because there's too many politicians on both sides that believe that that's a state rights issue. Same with gambling. Well, I mean, so much precedent was just set based on you know, state lotteries, state mm -hmm. casino laws, state any of anything else. Like in Minnesota, we have poll tabs. You know, that's a, a full state. Uh, state run thing and state by state we don't i don't understand all the rules of gambling like we're not allowed to have craps in minnesota it's, it's the nut low it's so bad but okay, <laughs> everybody does have their, that's, that's another reason like it doesn't matter what you do somebody's gonna pop to another state that's the only reason to go to iowa it's because you can play craps down there but yeah in florida you can't have any games with dice or balls yeah same, oh. yeah same thing here no roulette yeah. as well so that's why there's a string of casinos on that northern border catch all the dice players as they roll over interesting so um another aspect that i'm dying to get your takes on um last year during the football season the ad spend by these you know these uh operators which was relatively concentrated by the way in legal jurisdictional areas like i did not see a ton of ads in my neck of the woods outside of the big time national no. stuff um wow. and lucky I, well, but then you go on vacation or you happen to be in a state where it was legal and you watch the game and you're just like, holy crap, <laughs> like this is rough. And I, they were spending something. I, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but the ad spend was in the was with a B uh, last year in the football season, which means they were in like the tens of millions of dollars every single weekend. Um, and. I mean, if, if we're writing articles for ESPN, David Perham's article was awesome about the kind of the black swan event that happened. And they were like, people were, you know, these operators are freaking out about a, a you know, a, a $10 million decision, but they're spending $80 million right. a weekend on ads. Like something, something ain't adding up here in general. And, you know, like this must not be sustainable. Am I crazy? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not sustainable. And, I'm not sure how it's sustained, how it, ha how long it has. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. I, 
this is a low margin business, guys, right? I mean, right? I think. You, know, <laughs> you would think. Well, you, you, you find yourself with the same game parlay, and all of a sudden the well, margin doesn't. So that's, does, that's, and that's they, they, I think they've concentrated the, the advertising towards like, hey, we found what high volume looks like or high margin looks like, and we're going to start concentrating on that because, like to Drew's point, not only the spend, but what they spent it on and who they spent it on, it felt just like – it felt like they just hired some kid out of college and said, pick a spokesman. We'll pay him. We don't care as long as we've heard right. of him. And then we hired Drew Brees and Drew Brees is a nice guy. I'm sure. But like those were, those were horrible. like, that wasn't moving any needles. Like no, no one's, yeah. no one's signing up because Drew Brees is in an ad for it. Like they just pissed money away on this stuff. Yeah. There was actually a quote for today, just a couple hours ago from the DraftKings CFO who said, Going forward, we're gonna we're gonna just focus on same game parlay. In other words, they're like you you might be able to bet sides and totals DraftKings, but what they really would like you to do is just everything's the same game parlay all the time. Um, it's that thirty percent hold for the sports books. Of course, they want that. But you know what? If you offer something with a thirty percent hold, you know what you don't have after a while is customers with money. Um, <laughs> you, you just chew them up and you spit them out, and they're gone forever. Um, it, I, I'll push back on that a little bit because it's if you're pivoting in that direction, you're writing dollar bets. You're not yeah. writing hundred dollar bets anymore. Like you know, you're you're literally just saying like, "Hey, we're effectively selling scratchers now." Yeah, no, that's exactly what you're doing, and it's also it's 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 not so much that the everybody will be broke; it's that they'll just be so disgusted by the fact that they never win. You know, yeah, anyone sure, who sure plays a lot of scratchers. The only reason yeah. they get addicted is because sometimes they win. Um, and some of these same game parlay techniques that they're using of like 5,000 to one, you know, great. That's a great lottery ticket for you, but it really should pay about 15,000 to one or even higher than that. Yeah. And since the consumer doesn't know that and they just get obliterated in, in betting them, they eventually just say, you know, well, screw that. I'm not going to play these what turn out to be scratched oh, don't, don't, i promise you the next innovation is literally like do a 10 leg parlay and if you hit five you get five x if you hit six you get six x yeah, if you hit 10 then you get the full payout right like they're gonna start giving incremental like you do you did okay you didn't win it but, well you already have yeah, the parlay insurance it's yeah. just building off that and yeah. it is tr like to jack's point knowing knowing the odds and even you know maybe a lesser a little brother to this would be the one way futures market where with the infinite hold because you don't see the other side well i mean you don't but you can go to another book who has a two-way market or you can take a good guess and say like this is roughly you know how bad i'm getting jobbed on this market with these super high correlated parlays where honestly it would take some very very like the one percent of the one percent of the gambling math community to actually figure out like the level of correlation between these and how bad you're getting screwed. Like there, there's nobody has time for that in these parlays. Like you just you, you yeah I know, but like to even to get even just close like is is an accomplishment for sure, Jack. But like knowing most of these people just never will know like how much these should actually pay because it's yeah. it's an incredible amount of work to actually figure out you know, the correlation and how much they should cut the odds. And I think they've just kind of, I'd love to sit in one of those meetings at a sports book where they decide how this works. Be like, here's roughly what we think the correlation is. Just double that. And those are the odds. 
Yeah. No, uh, look, Rufus and I have had many conversations about this. We would love to have a product, and we we may. We, we're still working towards it. That is blows the, the curtain back on same game parlay. We'll tell you how much it's correlated. We'll tell you what it should pay. We'll tell you, you know, this same game parlay is actually profitable because they've screwed up the correlation, um, yeah. that sort of thing. The sports books would hate us. And that, you know, for me, I love that. There's nothing <laughs> that's like the strongest heroin in, I could possibly get is to have sports books hate me. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we're still working towards that. Look, we talked to Deck Prism. Deck Prism actually developed that and then realized that like that wasn't the market they wanted to be in. So oh, yeah. they, you know, they never put their product out to market, but it can be done. And um, I would love to create a product that just kind of blows the lid off of something that's just so, I'm, I'm not going to say it's predatory, but it, it kind of is, guys. It's it's basically... Sure. Yeah. Believe, make, I mean, make all of this believe is, that uh, I have, I've, I'm long past looking. In yeah, I mean, thing. and Patrick in the I chat getting, here says, <laughs> yeah, I think Patrick was yeah. kind of building on a point of where I said, you know, nobody knows what the odds are. And he says, nor do people care. Yeah. And a, a big, a big uh, to do yesterday, just yesterday or the day before was the, the cousin Sal tweet where he kind of he got a, it was supposed to be tongue in cheek. It wasn't as tongue in cheek as I think he'd probably hoped it was for it to come off. And like that sort of stuff can get real gray area. And the, everyone was getting so mad about that tweet. And the thing I noticed first is like, fuck, there's not even odds for this parlay. Like, what does this parlay pay? Everyone's getting so mad about what he said in the tweet. Uh, have we become so price insensitive as a gambling community we don't even need to know what this parlay pays you're just going to show me four things tell me to parlay that nowhere on there what did it said what the odds were like, well just, you know why they don't show that is because and you know it, yes i know they're a sponsor up there in the corner but what fanduel does is the more people that play the same exact lines lowers the payout oh wow just, in, just well, i mean it's, it's just the same play. same way any market works it i mean it can't, yeah. can't once you take liability, you have to move it. I, I have seen the lines. They only move the payout. Yeah. I have seen that too with, you know, they do have some of these, uh, some of the bigger operators, they'll have these promo parlays where it's a static price. Like that's what I would want to see. Like if you're going to make a big promo parlay, I don't care what kind of liability you take on it. It should just be a static price. At least even if it's a shitty static price or you estimate, Hey, like 90,000 people are going to bet this parlay. This is where we're going to want it at for average odds. Just find that and give it a static price. Like that uh, bugs see, me. That this seems no number. I'll be honest with you. All of this seems like a very dangerous way to be doing business. If if this is as big of a gold mine as everybody thinks it is, and the gold rush and all these terminal, you know, all the all the uh, uh, kind of um, discussion around this is correct, then just go freaking write bets. Like this shouldn't be that hard yeah. to like figure out a way to make a profit. Yeah, yeah, plus 110 guys, plus 115 out of hard. Um, so, which brings me to, you know, kind of the customer acquisition part of this. Like, are we, have we turned, was last football season, the bite at the apple where CPA was thousand dollars per customer, whatever the hell it was, some insane number. And now like, We've acquired who we're going to acquire in the states where it's legal. And until we have a new state, like we're not really spending that anymore. Or, uh, you know, is it like they literally like are going to churn because they're going to churn people out who they acquired for big dollars. If this is sort of the business that they want to run, we all, you know, your your point was correct. And, you know, in for a lot of people who are there like this isn't fun. 
I'm just losing and losing and losing. Like I'm not going to yeah. redeposit, right? Like that'll that'll churn some people out. Like you know what? Where are we in the ultimate arc of the customer acquisition space here for these operators? I think we've passed the peak for of the gold rush for the consumer. Um, look, there was a time not long ago where I was saying, you know, if you sign up for every sports book in your state and you're in one of the top ten states, it's an easy five thousand dollars in your pocket you know, just signing up, doing the sign up deals. Uh, and that was true. It was true. It was true. And then I always used to tell people the, the three peak times are the beginning of the NFL season, the Super Bowl, and March Madness. Those are the times when the sign up offers peak, get in there, then get your friends, get your neighbors, get your relatives, get everybody in there then. And uh, last NFL start, it was good. A lot of good promos out there. Uh, $2,000 from FanDuel, thousand uh, dollars from DraftKings, so on, and Super Bowl hit, and the promos weren't as good. Now we just had New York that had come online in in January, and that that was an eye opener for a lot of operators. You know, Caesars gave away three thousand dollar deposit match, and uh, they they lost like a, a ton of money on that, like many <laughs> millions of dollars. Well, I mean, and, people were predicting that they weren't going to give as good of promos in new york because of the high tax rate right a lot of people who had taken advantage of that in other states or guys who bounce around and do this sort of thing and they i remember somebody said that to me he's like holy shit caesars is like they're just doing the same promo in this state that's wild yeah and caesars even said like we're just doing this to see if we can get market share and they did for a week and then they cut the promo and the market share just dropped sure um and yeah and in, in new york you can't deduct the cost of promotional spend like you can in some other Ooh. states. So like it's a double tax like they lost a lot of money and then they had to pay tax Ooh. on sports betting. <laughs> um, but so Super Bowl wasn't as great. March Madness was abysmal, I think. Um, we're now seeing the, the prevalence. Abys promo. Abysmal in terms of growth of users or abysmal for what the CPA available was? Abysmal for the consumer. In okay. other words, for the promo hunter hustler okay. Okay. person, okay. Um, for the sports book, they're just lowering their cost of acquisition. So it's probably good for them. Okay. What we're seeing is everyone's doing the bet $5 for this event that we know is going to happen yep. to happen. And you get $100 or $150 or something like that. Yeah. And that's a that's a fixed cost for the sports book. And they have no variance involved in that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and so it's now become like the hot way to do it. Well, it's just, yeah, at that point, you really can control your cost per acquisition. Like, right. if they sign up, and there's probably even a percentage of, here's how many people forget to do that and take advantage <laughs> of this promo. Sure. You know, like 98% of the people, we just are going to give them $150 to sign up. Yeah, yeah. And it used to be, like, uh, the deposit match or the free bet, the free bet up to, like, $2,000. Well, probably yeah. only about top 10% of your users are actually going to take advantage of that for the full 2000 and then only like 5% of them are going to know to do it optimally and bet it on a long shot or something like that. Uh, most of them are going to bet it on something like a minus 150 or something like that. So really that $2,000 EV drops down to uh, like $600 or less and, and, you know, win or lose. And then it's, it's more like it's a $300 loss to the, to the operator. In other words, like, they're lowering their variance in costs, and then they're also lowering the cost. And for the consumer, yeah, it's not as great anymore. Now, will it continue into the NFL season? I, I'm kind of hopeful that we'll just get one last bump for the NFL season because 
One last really, piece. it's the NFL and then everything else when it comes to sports betting in America. Okay. And um, I, you know, I'm hopeful that it'll be a decent action for consumers. Last, ga last gasp to those who missed the boat for the past four years in signing up or traveling around the country to sign up. Yeah. Um, maybe your last chance to do it. Well, okay. I think some of the people they see up, and you know, you've you've done good videos and answered questions about this as far as like the the risk free bet or the free bet and how to take advantage of it and figuring the actual expected value of it. And you know, somebody who's only going to do that at one book, like it's fine and all theoretically, but if they're maybe even if they're going to do it at two or three books, they might just end up losing money on that. And, you know, it's hard for them to justify like, oh, the EV was higher on that compared to, well, this one just gave me $150. Right. Like, I don't have to go find the, the best long shot bets to try to take advantage of this and, you know, worry about any rollovers. I'm just going to lose this $150 this weekend. <laughs> well, and keep in mind, guys, there's a ripple effect to this, okay? Uh, there's a large affiliate business out there. There's a lot of sites that of course. just function yeah. solely on affiliate income from customer acquisition. If customer acquisition cost for the operator goes down, that ripple effect down to the affiliate operator goes down. Mm -hmm. And now the valuation of those operators goes down. It's sort of like a depressing effect on the overall kind of macroeconomic view of, of the industry. Sure. Um, you know, look, I operate a, a company and we don't do affiliate income, but like we're already starting to feel kind of the pinch of sure. that the macroeconomic picture has kind of depressed a little when it comes to sports betting because the valuations are are dropping. I I I've tough I have a tough, tough time making any declarative statements about the macroeconomic state of sports betting in the month of May. Like, yeah, that's it's not true. the you know, NFL. NFL is king times a billion in this. Yeah. You know, you know, realistically, like the the scale is so different when the NFL is being bet than it is when we're you know tail end of the NBA playoffs. And because yeah. I, I feel like the the volume players deposit at the beginning of the NFL season play until their deposit's gone. If there's anything left at the end, they play March Madness. If there's anything left at the end, they play baseball or they play NBA. And then eventually they run and out of money. A few, and a few make it all the way back to September. <laughs> so, the yeah, chosen few. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They're they're firing away at I'm Winston. Sure, I'm they're sure they're betting will. Winston Salem daytime tennis by the time they get to August. You know, because they're like, I can't believe. I've live bet hockey stuff. twice since um, we've been on. Oh, I hope you you haven't been taking Kane's uh, over because they are getting shut out in this one. Yeah, this um, is a this is a, uh, a finally shows up in the playoffs. Who would have believed it? Um, the um, so that the comment you made, which is interesting to those of us in the content generation space. Last time we did this show with you, I don't know that we were. I guess we were both starting doing daily content stuff, but hadn't really kind of figured out what was going on. Um, we had just seen acquisition of DraftKings of you know buying Veasan for a hundred million dollars and yep. like knock you out of your chair. Like, excuse me, what? Um, and you know, and then. Believe me, believe me when I say the talked about thing in of anything related uh, to football Super Bowl week at Media Row was how much money Pat McAfee was getting for FanDuel. Like that yeah. was like an eye popping number. People were all kind of buzzing about that. And I'm sure, you know, that will kind of drive decision making in terms of content creation because they want that, you know, similar type of payday there. Um, but. <sighs> 
I am struggling to tell you that there it currently exists a marketplace for like an actual like I, like the connecting the like it, there there's a a bit of a South Park meme feel to a lot of this stuff in the content space where it's like we'll we'll talk about betting to the consumers question mark profit right like th there's like a little bit of a disconnect there and you know i definitely don't uh know if we are anywhere close to having a mature enough betting populace that uh you know that they're seeking out and finding the voices like me and andy and the deep dive or what you're doing <laughs> in an like are we just like way 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 early in all this and yeah. that's why i'm feeling that way or is there really not an audience for this to, to both and to both you really really quick had a phone call the other day with a friend who older than i has bet longer than i but not in the same you know like he bets football and then dabbles on some other stuff just really loves betting on football and he told me he recently took a different job where he has an hour-ish long commute every day and he recently, he's like, have you heard of this VSIN? He's like, I listen to a lot of this VSIN stuff. He's like, it's really good. Like, they get to talking about football sometimes. Like, it's, it's like d decent, like sports betting stuff. You know, there, there's a whole pop. I think we're, I think we're all just too close to like Twitter, gambling Twitter, and gambling stuff. Oh yeah, like, there's it's, a big it's, chunk it's, of the population it's who is an just, enormous proportion of my life. There's no denying this. But yeah, I, I, I feel think like there's so we many have people bust, who just we haven't have even broken found through to virtually. Yeah, it's it's just incredibly hard to break through, I especially in today's media media day. And I guess. I know what is what is your general feeling about and as someone who has started a new business that is trying to attract a consumer and trying to kind of do things the right way in this space like you know what are some of your experiences and lessons learned uh, and just opinion of uh, you know the the content consumers out there. I you know Drew I I think there is a market okay I I believe that there's definitely a market of consumers that eventually just get tired of losing and try to find a better way um, when I was on last year we talked you you actually talked a little bit about your journey as you were a losing better and then you're like well I just got to find a better way to do this so you started sure. to look around yourself to find ways to to get better at this. Um, we live in a time when it's never been easier to find sports betting information. It's just hard to figure out what's the good stuff and what's the, the weak stuff. And the SEO battle is being won by a lot of the weak stuff, um, as it traditionally always is. And, you know, I think eventually the, the cream rises to the top and content that people really want will start to get absorbed better. Um, I, I personally have found one of the biggest hurdles that I've faced is sometimes people are very protective of good content. In other words, if they find something that's enabling them to win, sure, they don't sure, want to share sure. that with everybody because they're afraid that if everybody had this, then they wouldn't be able to win anymore. Yeah, uh, right. So it's like they may have a, a membership to a certain site that has great betting tools, uh, but they want to keep that private to themselves. Uh, that doesn't help me at all. You see that in like the fantasy industry. Like, why would you yeah. share? If you find a, a fantasy annual analyst you like, why would you tell your buddies who are in a fantasy league with you? Like, it right. just dilutes the information. That's for sure a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, but it, I, I, getting back to the original point I made, I think there's an audience. I do really believe it. Now, yes, we are in an echo chamber on Twitter. Um, you know, we and look, I recognize it as much as anybody. However. 
we have people in our echo chamber that have 50, 100,000 followers. Now, not all of those followers are the same guys as the three of us who, uh, you know, get limited everywhere and they want to get sharp bets down and things like that. They're people that maybe just want to learn more about what this whole sports betting thing is. And in that sense, uh, and I'm sure, Drew, you see it, you know, you get a lot of exposure on mass media. Uh, have you reached the point where you're recognized in public? No. No? Okay. No. Um, neither have I, actually. But... <laughs> there was. I went to a wedding in You, you have to. I went to a wedding in May, and some people did recognize me, but it was mostly... Uh, yeah, Kentucky Derby. A lot of people, but they were all you know. There was a lot of betting people. There. I was gonna say, um, even I've had it. Like the, the, when I went to the golf tournament, my wife never lets me live this down. <laughs> I'm no, Andy. But, I uh, have a podcast. Uh, I I don't know my my general feel and read. Like like there are we have a hardcore we have a couple hardcore fans and they're probably all watching and and or chatting in Discord Patrick. and they they rock like they care about this stuff and they get something out of this that I and that we're doing this for people like that who you know really care about it and tune in but I feel like most of the people that I end up like reaching through all of the different media outlets I go through are you know bookies bookmakers people in the industry like I don't think I'm reaching many betters ears really hmm. and and certainly no certainly We've done none better of, at connecting certainly with no one that opened I, if I'm reaching people that opened an account in the last two years and just started doing this I would be I think that's probably the smallest slice of the earballs that I run into um it's just it's the, the people that those you know, if you are in that pool of new or even intermediate better, like you're listening to Pat McAfee and Colin Coward and like the mainstream, uh, you know, audience, you know, the mainstream uh, uh, stuff that's talking a little bit of betting, but mostly sports still. And, you know, it's like, I don't really have a good sense of what the, like the, even the intermediate step looks like where, you know, we go the customer acquisition, getting the new people in is over. And now you have kind of a, a, a an, an adolescent better, you know, who's trying to get better and kill still oh, putting money in the pot. The and and uh, and, you know, the I don't know if that's five years away, 10 years away or, you know, way in the future. Um, but I know we're not close to there yet. And like realistically for this stuff to grow to where we can reach a large enough audience that it has us, you know, a big, that bigger, a bigger impact. I think we need to get to that point. And I don't know, I, 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 I am losing a little bit of hope and faith that ultimately if we just kind of continue to get reps doing this, keep our head down and do it the right way, so to speak, that it ultimately wins out and gets, you know, the, the, the audience that um, eventually um, is seeking this uh at the national level that's my that's my 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 guess is that by the time we get to that point where all of the mainstream operators are willing to put a betting analyst on sunday night football or monday night football or whatever at half to or do their own say tune into espn2 to watch the halftime breakdown from a betting standpoint like i think by the time we get there a lot of the people who have you know already have fame and influence will have been like oh there's that much money available if i go pivot in this direction and it will be you know it will it will be those voices that ultimately get that opportunity and they're not betters that's my general read on this yeah, that's probably right 
like they're they're well-spoken hosts who are already in place that are willing to make the pivot. There's some that just aren't like you can tell when they try to shoehorn betting content in with somebody who's not comfortable with it either. I don't know. The ones who you can tell are uncomfortable with it are, are almost worse than the ones who are just like, they didn't read the sheet. They don't know the fuck they're talking about. Like you can, if you bet this guy at, you know, two to one, you win three hundred dollars, and you know, oh, that's with your stake back. Like, there's a lot of that where they're just not doing math right on TV. The golf stuff has been rough a little sometimes, where they they don't understand. Like, why would I bet at minus one twenty five, a hundred to win twenty five bucks? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, ah, okay. But I, I mean, I think you're right. But I, there is something. There is stuff out there that people want. It just, it's it's kind of on us to continue to find stuff that's infotainment. <laughs> You know, like finding yeah. better ways to explain some of the, I think we almost got to go back to some of the basics. Like there is a really big dearth of, of just like people who ask really basic questions on gambling Twitter or in spaces you see people communicating, but like, man, where, where are people finding like the basic info other than like, you know, some pages that people put out, like how to bet on, you know, on the DraftKings site or something like that. And some of that no, isn't very good explainers. Like th- there's some primers that need to be made. And then some people, like you say, that are at that adolescent level that, and I think you're right though. So many people just fail. It's like Jack said, so many people just want to play the lottos and don't make it. They're not going to get to the second step. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of that basic information, Andy is SEO driven and yep. the SEO stuff is eaten up by all of the affiliate houses that basically just put canned information in and then say, sign up at this sports book. Um, that sort of kind of just replicates the problem. Uh, Drew, getting back to your point, I think it's part of the evolution. And it, look, we're, we're Americans. We do things in an American way. And I'm not trying to get too um, rah-rah about like American ingenuity and spirit here, but we are different than Europeans and Australians and other people in other parts of the country, of the world. We have this innate sense in us that like, if, if we're given the opportunity to do something, we want to make sure we're, we're better at it than other people. Um, you know, there's a reason why there are more Americans that have, um, positions in the stock market than any other country's percentage of population is because we like that. Oh, I can get ahead if I just pick the right stock or I, I, you know, it's a, it's our biggest form of gambling that we have. And there's a lot of people that have looked into the stock market. And even though that is largely a zero sum game, they want to find a way to get ahead in it. And so they do all this self-research and they, look up all these systems and things like that. And sports betting is a lot like that in that there's a lot of people that are looking to do sports betting and try to do it better than they've done so far or that their friends are doing and get the edge. And they are the ones that are going to be looking for sites to kind of teach them uh, a little bit more than they find from the Pat McAfee's and the Colin Cowards of, of the world. And that's that's sort of the audience that we're, we're both trying to reach out to. Um, I, I do believe that audience is out there. We just maybe haven't had that evolution of the American better to that level yet. Look, the soft book model in the U.S. is still prevalent, but we know a change is coming. We know that uh, even, even the big boys like FanDuel and DraftKings see it coming, that the consumer is starting to want more of this straightforward instead of this, you know, always pulling the rug out from under them. And, um, and, and they want the more straightforward type of sports betting. 
even if that means that it's a sharper book that maybe they have trouble winning at. Um, it's just the evolution of the consumer, the price sensitive consumer will eventually be here. Hmm. Okay. And it, it, it's, actually, I'm trying to find this video. Only, only like 134 people saw this video, but I, that's where I'm, I'm still at a spot where I like what Jack says. And I think there is a spot for people that want to learn a little more. And I think I still want to give it to them because it, and it was somebody here at the company who asked a question, um, about a hockey bet. I think it was the Panthers in the first round when it was two, two, he said, he said, clearly it's better to bet the four to two exact price or four to three exact price. I just bet both of those. Cause they're both like plus 200 something rather than lay minus minus one forty. And I, you know, I just knew off the top of my head that like a book's not going to give you that the one forty is probably better. And I ran him through the math and he's like, you should do that on my little clip I'm going to do for my hockey bets tonight. We ran through it and like, that was the, some of the most enjoyable content I made in a while. It's like just running through the math of why that's a stupid bet and <laughs> show him. And it was, he was happy too. He's like, he made a better bet in the long term. He made more money uh, when the Panthers ended up, uh, yeah, they moved on. Right. Yeah. I, in, I, the, I, in the same I, round. I, yeah, yeah, they're in the second round. I agree. And like I, that, that I, sort of shit, like that's useful, but it, it's hard to get that to the right people. Yeah, I can, I, I completely agree that if we're trying to make enjoyable content and that's ultimately the goal, then we're doing exactly what we need to be doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> like there is, there is, right. we, we need to change course zero percent. Like we are doing this because we have fun doing it, and ultimately, if anything else comes of it, I'll, you know, and you know, Andy, you got a career out of this that I don't know that you would have thought it was, you know, coming five years ago, did you? Yeah. Uh, you know, similarly, like go with the flow, Drew. Yeah, similarly, like uh, you know, they they put they send me, you know, NBC sent me to freaking Churchill Downs to cover the Kentucky Derby and the Super Bowl this year. Like I did not see that coming two years ago, no way. And like that's a it's a cool experience, and like. Ultimately, like if that's all that comes of this, then fantastic. Um, but I think the idea of um, like kind of guerrilla style breaking through to a you know a broad enough audience that you can scale any of this, uh, I have huge questions about. And um, you know, maybe it's just the time in the cycle where we are way, way, way early on this because of the just the fact that it's not you know, legal in more states and the states where it is legal and the, you have broad participation, it's all new betters and they, they haven't found us yet. That's fall fine. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's been like, it's been, there hasn't been a ton of competition, frankly, for good content. Uh, there are like two or three other podcasts out there that are awesome, uh, that I like to listen to. And it's nice to like, be able to listen to like, well, you know, you know, interesting conversations from people who actually have skin in the game um but like ultimately it shouldn't be as hard as it has been to break through uh you know at the you know at the national level with some of this stuff i think and it's yeah i don't know i'm just i'm i am looking at a situation now where a year ago nbc pitched like hey we're gonna put you and warren sharp and Sarah on uh, you know a, a weekly football preview show and talk sports betting for an hour. I was like, okay, cool. And I'm sitting back thinking like, okay, this is definitely like an audition or something. Like they're just gonna see what works, what sticks. And next year, the Sunday Night Football, they'll tap one of us and you know, or or rotate us through to talk betting on uh, you know Sunday Night Football or whatever. 
now I'm like, that was absolutely silly that I thought that because it's such a carefully curated pro property that even in like the post game show, they're barely willing to talk, talk, touch and talk on, you know, sports betting stuff. And, um, and then I also look around and I'm like, well, there's a lot of other people who have, who are higher on the totem pole at NBC right now that are starting to talk about sports betting because they get that that's where the whole direction of the, you know, the, the media industry is going. And by the time NBC does warm up to putting someone on air to do that stuff, there will be someone who is higher on the totem pole than me who is like pivoted into that space. And so I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I love that. I'm looking at I mean, it you, in a more yeah, rational. Yeah, but you still have your master's kind of in engineering to fall back on. <laughs> oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for the pandemic, because they would never have given me the opportunity to just turn on, flip on my, you know, laptop camera and you know, you know, throw throw it on Peacock like that. Like it, like without question, I, True. you know, that they, they would have been, you know, hey, uh, we're gonna need you at 5 a.m. down in Culver City. Uh, to you know, shoot this show that's going to be half an hour at eight thirty, but you need you at five. Uh, you know, I'm like, like I can't do that and have a job. Like, no, yeah. there's no way. Like, no, <laughs> like easily no. Yeah, but now they're like, like hey, turn on your people. camera at seven fifty-five, and we go live at eight. I'm like, no problem. <laughs> like, I can do that easy. The, pa you know? the pandemic but, did yeah. kind of change the dynamic of like oh, the yeah, creator culture here too. Yeah. Um, I, I I was looking at the thing, and I did want to make sure we got to this one because we talked about shilling for sports books, and one that I shill for personally on the daily, not on the daily, we talk about them a couple times a week is profit exchange. I know we have a couple things working. You, you're obviously more. Uh, you know, you can talk about this stuff just based on what you do and who you are, but also you live in New Jersey. Like you're from out there. Like what are your expectations? What do you, what do you think is going to happen with these exchanges? Because it's an argument I have with my boss. Sometimes he used to send me, you know, these, these uh, promos he'd get from sports books because he's on every list. And it would be like, the, you know, when bad had the half prayer, the one Oh five juice or stuff like that. And he'd send me things, not theirs, but something like that and say, like, he's like, do people give a shit about this? Like, are people excited? Like, oh, I can save, you know, these people betting $50 on a bet. They can save $2.50 on their on their game they're betting tonight. He's like, nobody cares about this, right? And then, you know, he asked me what I thought about the exchanges. I said, you're trying to sell the same kind of thing there. I mean, a lot of the allure of the exchange is being price sensitive and they had a tweet the other day where they showed what their uh you know their odds would be on baseball games and compared it to the market and i mean if you are price sensitive it is fucking staggering how low of a hold an exchange can have on sure. some of these games it's like is that is it so is it a realistic thing that you think actually takes off with the the consumer base we've cultivated at this point who's not price sensitive or or is it is it doomed um, okay. So yeah, like nine questions in there. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> price sensitivity, we know clearly that's an evolution of consumer. We, cause mm -hmm. we have Nevada to use as our, you know, whatever you want to call oh, that evolutionary yeah, sure. scale. Yeah. Um, do you remember when, when sports betting launched around the U S people in Las Vegas, the, the locals were all like, wait, they're giving you $500 to sign up. There's no way we get, $20 to sign up at William Hill and they're doing $500 elsewhere. How, how can they afford that? Well, the, the reason that they don't can't offer that in Nevada is because it's an, an evolved consumer. The consumer knows that like, 
if there's a signup deal that's worth even $10 VV, they're going to go do it. Um, and similarly, if there's a stations casino offering Fridays minus 105 for three hours in the evening on the NFL slate, which they do offer, <laughs> uh, they get flocked. People are standing in line for three hours to place their sports bet because they're getting minus 105 instead of minus 110. The consumer just evolves. They'll eventually get price sensitive. Uh, and so, so will the exchanges be able to find price sensitive consumers at first? Probably not. Uh, New Jersey, we're getting there in terms of evolution, but we're not quite there yet. And, you know, it took Nevada decades to get there. So I don't know how fast the evolution will go in New Jersey. But here's the problem with exchanges. I think they're going to be very disappointing to sharp bettors, not necessarily to recreational bettors. Because I think the sharp better views a, an exchange as being, I get to become the book. I get to put up the price and some sucker bets into me. Um, guess what? There's no suckers on exchanges. I'm sorry. There's, there's not. There, yeah. It's sharps versus sharps. And in the case of like sport trade, which is going to be one of the two that launch, I, you, you're not even going against sharp bettors. You're going against syndicates. And yeah. we're not talking syndicates like, uh, you know, a couple guys from gambling Twitter that got together and share accounts. We're talking Susquehanna. We're talking deck prism. We're talking, um, uh, black rock. We're, we're talking these, these hedge funds. Um, Jesus, they're, they're going to be the ones with the API access that can automatically move their lines around. They don't have to have somebody, you know, moving the line and you're catching a, a slow move. They're going to be right on par with the rest of the market. Uh, so yes, there might be low VIG, but you're also betting into the sharpest price. You're probably betting into Pinnacle plus one. That's what you're doing. So whatever mm -hmm. the price is on Pinnacle, add one cent of VIG, and that'll be the price they offer. That's a standard exchange uh, market maker move is you you offer the Pinnacle price plus one. Prime plus um, one. Now with, with profit exchange, you have a little bit more chance in that they're not, they're not going to go for the sharp uh, syndicate in, uh, in institutional money. They're going to go for the consumer, consumer money. However, there's another problem is who are the consumers that are going to be attracted to the product are the sharps. It's going to be sharp versus sharp. There's not going to be a lot of square money in that pool either. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money in that pool. Um, sport trade, I think, is going to have a lot more liquidity than you would expect. Um, but they're going to offer it in the same way that Matchbook kind of does, where it's like $20 at a time. Because what they're doing is they're speeding the plow towards price discovery. So they offer $20 at minus 105, and I take it, and they put it back up, and I take it, and they go, okay, minus, minus 106 now. And I take it, and they go, oh, oh, minus 108. And I take it, and they go minus 110. And now they've just spent $80, which is maybe you know $4 of EV, and they have a sharper price. And even if they do that with swings in both direction, they're still basically finding their, their price discovery faster that way. And yes, you could have guys like Spanky out there that are uh, manipulating the market and moving that price because they know that these $20 bids are going to move the market. Um, but it's still, there's going to be other people on the other side that are going to pick it off and, and move it back to where it needs to be. That's what we've always seen with Betfair is like that number gets hammered into place really fast. And I think that's what we're going to see in the US. Um, so it's going to be disappointing to the aspirational better who thinks that now they're getting reduced VIG. Yeah, you're getting reduced big. But somebody somebody has to be on the other side. You know, and those bets aren't, it's not the same as a sports book where this is the price. If you want, well, that's not always the case, I guess, is it now? But most places, this is the price. Here's the limit. Make the bet. 
and it's a bet. You need someone to match. And I, I, th- I thought I went through the same kind of thought process you did when I thought about it. I said, like, all right, you're not going to attract rec betters. You're not going to attract real DGens, scratcher guys. You're going to attract rec plus or sharp people, and they're going to have to go against other sharp people. And if it's, hey, this line, the price discovery has swung one way, nobody's betting the other side of that. They, you know, the either, you know, profit exchange or sport trade is going to have to put their own liquidity into that market to make it liquid or something odds going to have to happen for those markets to exist. And I thought, like, what what do people in Europe, you know, really use the exchanges for? And you see so many people like trading tennis and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's not happening. Like, just it's the U.S. But I, and, and that led me to like, I would market it as a live product trading basketball trading you know a game a game like that with a a lot of scoring trading hockey trading yeah. you know trading nfl like you'd have to market it as well it's you know it's low vague but it's low vague for the whole game all these live betting platforms as long as someone matches you all these live betting platforms minus 20 aside a lot of them it's like you want uh here's the price on the exchange if somebody wants the other end of it it's like you can do this all day you can trade back and forth and that is the advantage of a, a place like Sport Trade, who has market makers that are contractually obligated to offer betting all the way through a game, um, which I think that's a rule they're going to have to change. Like they're going to have to offer betting with like 30 seconds left in the game. That's that seems, yeah, nobody extreme. does that. That's terrible. Yes, but, but for I, them, they haven't realized that they need to change that yet. I think they're going to realize that shortly after they get to market. Um, but the point is they, they will have markets being made contractually by their market makers, those Susquehannas and whatnot that are on the other side. Um, Bet Profit might have a little bit more trouble with that because as far as I know, they don't have anyone who's contractually making markets for them. And so it's going to come down to, is there somebody willing to put the offer and get it matched in real time before the market moves and before the betting should move based on the game state information. Um, yeah. So if, I, look, if I had to build liquidity, in my, if I was running it, I would just, uh, guess what? I'm injecting my own liquidity and then buying back at Pinnacle. And it's just going to yeah. cost me a little bit the whole time, like to get it off the ground. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I think that's viable. I'm actually very bullish on the exchanges. I know it doesn't sound it by what I just told you. Um, I want to see how they work. I want to see how they act. I'm excited. I, I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's nobody thought be interesting that, nobody thought Betfair would work. Not in New Jersey, you know. You guys, just you, guys, you guys have definitely heard those stories. Like nobody yeah. thought Betfair was going to work. Like that was the that was a long shot, and now it's massive. So, and that the word and the dumbest part is again the whole interstate, you know, the wire act and all that. What what really stinks is like if they do work. They're going to have to have their own markets in each each state. You can't uh, yeah. at this point. We can't have a, a national exchange. Which you want, you want a good way to get a bunch of liquidity. Offer it in thirty states. You know, and the barriers to entry all over. You know, obviously huge hurdles for that to happen. But boy, that would be. That, there's a good way to get liquidity. Just take your user base and fifty exit. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let me ask you a little bit specific question about your current journey at unabated um you know have you guys had to make any pivots in terms of your just your vision of what you ultimately want to provide um since launching and uh you know what what should we be looking for in year two uh of the products you guys are most excited about 
Yeah, uh, I think we've done a good job so far in targeting the market we want to target. If anything, we've decided we need to expand that target a little bit to pick up more of the spectrum of consumer that's out there right now. Okay. Once we started to make that odd screen, we realized people really want odd screens. Like oh, they they no flock doubt. to that. No doubt. And so we said, okay, well, what do they really need in an odd screen? Well, they need real-time information. That's one right. thing that's kind of lacking in a lot of these odd screens these days, uh, with the exception of Don Best. And we all know that Don Best's what that product is is these days. Sure. So we started to go that direction. But then we realized that like some people, they look at an odd screen, they don't know what they're really looking for. So one of the things we're adding into our odd screen now is sort of like um, like an assist to their odd screen shopping. So pointing out the best price in the market, pointing out uh, line moves, and, and um, even pointing out arbitrage opportunities and things like that. Um, it, that, that helps the recreational plus consumer more than the aspirational sharp consumer. So we were previously targeting that aspirational sharp. And if we expand that to be the rec plus consumer as well, then you get, you know, you get a lot more feed in. Uh, some of the things that we're working on, we've, we've kind of stumbled into this idea of in-game betting is probably one of the best things that a sharp better can do and avoid detection in terms of being flagged as a sharp. The markets are moving so fast. No sports book is really judging CLV on an in-game market because the price is constantly moving. And so we've started to create in-game betting tools. And we have a partnership with Deck Prism where we can display their in-game line that they sell to sports books. Mm -hmm. And we're the only place you can get their Deck Prism line right now. And we also have a real-time feed from Bookmaker. So between those two, you have two of the top books that have in-game pricing. And now we have these tools that you take the game state and you take the price suggestion of Deck Prism or Bookmaker, and we give you all the derivative markets in game. So in other words, in, in the NBA game tonight, there's gonna be plenty of um, alt totals and alt spreads that are offered. And you can at any time, click, click, get what should be the proper pricing on all these derivative markets. And I doubt any sports book is looking at that and saying, you know, oh, that's, our nose is wide open on this one. We gotta be careful. No, they just feel like, you know, okay, we put these lines up and then poof, they're gone. And we put them up again, poof, they're gone. And you can get down, you know, several thousand dollars if you want to, $100, $200 at a time throughout the course of the game. So we started this with college basketball, then we went to NBA. We've got our MLB in-game tool coming out shortly. And then Rufus and his data science team are already working on uh, college football and NFL. And everyone knows that Prism's college football and NFL in-game pricing is like the top of the top. Pinnacle uses them now. And... Um, that's going to be really something I think come football season is to have that as sort of like if you're an in-game trader, um, it's a it's kind of a secret weapon. Hopefully, it's not too secret because then people yeah. aren't share it. That uh, what, what you spoke to as far as you know avoiding detection as someone who they might not want as a customer by live betting was interesting because I almost asked the stupidest damn question. It was like, so I still think I still think so much in the offshore world. Like, and I just don't have my brain switched over yet because I'm like, well, they probably used a lot of third party, you know, lines for their live betting. Yeah, they use, they use third party lines for their regular betting too. It's just, yeah. So that, I mean, obviously that's a thing, but I always, I often wondered that with some of the offshores. It's like, man, like 
you'd see three or four different offshores using the exact same setup for their live betting or the one, you know, the main one five dimes used to have, it was at DSI and a couple other places. Mm -hmm. Like, are they even, you know, are they even able to like see who's doing well on here other than just, uh, you know, ROI, like this guy won a bunch. And I think a lot of that is just viewed as luck, especially yeah. with the, the over round they put on that. So I, I always kind of thought about that. Then we, I mean, Drew, we found out that it wasn't always the case. I think it was my bookie that had some softer NBA live bets at, at one never point. Never heard of them. No idea. Never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. um, so, a, no, real, yeah, they, just they, to, they were done with you in a hurry. Yeah, no. The, to pivot back <laughs> real quick, I really loved your answer. Um, the kind of major product that is not available out there is like the Bloomberg terminal for sports betting, and the you know it sounds like you guys are working your way to getting something in that vein, which would be freaking sweet. Cool keyboard too. Uh, I don't care about that. I just, you know, just uh, I don't know. Just, Those are just colorful. The, that's a status <laughs> symbol. You got to yeah. get the unabated keyboard. Yeah. Unabated keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a product that I think absolutely answers a lot it. of demand in the space right now for the people who we know who you know people listen to this podcast probably well who, um, used, to, who used to be the king of the live streams drew probably still is viewed as and we've seen a lot of complaints about you know the the king the, um, among betters odd screens oh oh odd. don best yeah yeah don best yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen anybody say anything good about don best in two years i don't years. think anyone uses don best anymore. yeah it's, it's just <laughs> i, I mean, don't know who cer does, certain though. books just stop posting there and it's uh there's definitely an an opening in that market yeah yeah look and you know andy to your point there are only certain providers of in-game odds out there at don best is still one of them uh yeah. you know they put out this in-game odds product and uh you know there's a couple others that different sites use but yeah for the most part you can find the same line at multiple different books which is another way you can kind of disguise yourself you know you bet it here one time you bet it over here another time so it's not like you're yeah. focusing all your action on just one book. um you guys think about adding like a, a shopping tool for some of the exotic stuff awards markets futures things like that do you already have yes that? yeah so we have the nfl uh season simulator which then when you run that, you get your output and you can compare that to the current futures markets for everything from Super Bowl, conference division, number of season wins, which is crazy juicy, yeah. um, make, not make playoffs, uh, that sort of thing. And we'll even highlight where your projection differs from the market so that you can find your, your positive EV in your terms. How about terms. something a little mo more, uh, so like an application for someone like Andy or me personally, like, ah, boy, this really feels I, like there's an angle on Dan Campbell, coach of the year. Like what's the best price? Of oh, it, right. So like, actually now I gotta is, go open everything up and every book open, has a, that's where my computer grinds. Or like, um, uh, or like somebody shares a nugget, like, uh, oh yeah, the, uh, the favorite in the uh, points classification at the Giro d'Italia just shot himself in the eye with a Prosecco cork. Uh, like go bet number two because he's going to scratch tomorrow like it was literally like if i had a quick way to be like where is that up <laughs> you know yeah. like, Can where, I, bet that like I gotta get i gotta get down York. now like right now right like if they like because a lot of like the real heavy heavy plus ev stuff that i've bet in the last two years has been random shit like that like pretend kentucky derby 
Pretend Kentucky Derby is a good one. Um, um, draft props. NBA two K. NBA two like, yeah. K. Um, tournaments. Yeah, just just a, like a, a roadmap of where things were that we could fire into across the entire landscape. Uh, in the weird stuff. It rem- you know what? It reminds me of those websites. <laughs> it, 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 this is maybe not the great. It is a good analog. Fuck it, Andy. This is a good one. Those, those, what you like, Hey, there's a TV show that was on five sure. years ago and there's 90 streaming services now. And there's those yeah. websites like, where can I stream Mad Men right now? And it tells right. you like, Oh, you got to go to Hulu for that. And then you yeah. fuck, I don't have Hulu at Paramount. And yeah. you know, something like that, where, where, who right now has, you know, MLB AL rookie of the year up right now. You know, yeah, exactly. everybody has or, it right now. Like, but like six French months open, ago, French yeah. Open quarters like go up, like the draw is tomorrow. Like it Who's would be opening great to know, like who opened that, when, where is it open? Because the oh menus fucking this, this suck is, at most of these books. You got to go off. digging. They're absolutely useless. Oh, if you could useless. just scrape all the yeah. markets and have yeah. some way to map that out. Yeah. I want this tool. Where were you when so, you found out Ash Barty retired and that Iga Shantek yeah. was an absolute smash at every French Open out that was available? Like, you know, like that, like having a screen that was like, hey, you can get. 450 here and five here. I, would, and, I wouldn't yeah. even care what yeah. the price is. I wouldn't care, but I just told, want to know everywhere I can yeah, get it. Told me what, like, <laughs> yeah, right, who's exactly. actually hanging these yeah, markets. Who right actually now. has that open was going to write a bet on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So you, do you guys want my answer? Yeah. This sure, is actually sure, something sure, sure. we've we've thought about. Yeah. Uh, we do have coming out this fall, we do have a props odd screen, which is very rare in the oh, industry right now to have an odd screen around just props. It'll be just the NFL to start because. You kind of, it's tough to build these things out with all the different machinations of things. But what you guys were just talking about is something, and I haven't talked to anyone about this. Um, You know, we brought on uh, Peter Jennings, world famous DFS superstar. And one of the first suggestions he gave us, he goes, we got to get into awards betting. Awards betting is where it's at. You know, and he's got a betting syndicate and they make millions of dollars. And uh, so if he says awards betting is where it's at, then okay. You know, and he's like, (laughs) not only, not only are these markets soft but they're they're they're, they're kind soft of, until they're not right well, they're also, <laughs> yeah right. they're also very uh influential you know they, oh, yeah, they get sure. they get pushed about by just you know everything re-click, re-click, and, re-click, yeah you can right you so can, you can wreck those markets yeah right so we were we were actually we've already started kind of planning out that how do we make an awards odd screen that is just all various awards per league and where they're at and who's offering what and um i'd pay for that oh yeah same yeah i absolutely absolutely and um uh those are not those markets uh there are some really sharp players who absolutely kill them and you when the steam happens it's never like an accent, <laughs> like it, like that's that's sharp steam keeping oh, track. Wine, of Weingarten with some of his baseball stuff. Yeah, Weingarten, sure. the, yeah. the Australian guy. This is New Zealand guys. You know, like those guys aren't. They are making moves in those markets that are you know, even in even order to get down that, the size they want. It, it ends up going taking a five to one to a to a hundred. Even and the ones they don't draft, win, like draft Wein, was Wein, the same yeah. way. He established the run guys in oh the draft. God. Like those yeah. guys released a freaking draft prop, and that thing was moving like three dollars like who cares if they were right like it was moving so much um but like uh uh yeah some way of kind of having an eye- eyeballs on all that stuff would be really useful otherwise you're doing it all manually um and then similarly like um you know the and this is this is really old like idea 
and I'm st- but it's not really that you know I think maybe Action Network's the only place that would do that has this or, or has done this Bet Labs or whatever but like just historical stuff like in those small small, small markets like you know how useful would it be to have MVP price uh, you know for the entire season at, at your fingertips uh, you know just, or or uh, to have every wide receiver opening and closing price uh, for yeah we you know, we started that last year yeah. Oh, you yeah, guys we actually that? we actually when we built some of our tools last year, we started recording prop prices right from there. So yeah. like through week one of last season is we've got all of the various line moves with wide receivers and running back, you know, whomever versus whomever and all that data. And we'll hopefully put that to use somehow, some way. Um, one of the things we we do is the simulators. So you come with a projection, a mean and we'll run it through a simulator where you can get both the median price, which is going to be what a sports book would have, as well as tail events and, you know, or other distribution events. So like if everyone's got Donchick at uh, under over under 33 and a half, but you find a place that has some alt line of 40 and a half, well, what are the odds that it should be? Well, based sure, on sure. what your projections are, we can give you what those odds are. And we have that for NBA and for NFL and you know, we want to have that ability so that you treat it like an odd screen where you can say, you know, look, uh, you know, I, this running back, uh, let me see what his odds have been in past weeks going against similar opponents. I get and, why that would be useful, but I can tell you that in the blind, the plus money side is probably incorrectly priced on all that stuff. The extremes almost always are incorrectly priced. I mean, didn't, and also, ADs, like, didn't AD say that on like, he's like, if you took pinnacles closers on running backs for like two years, yeah, and bet all yeah. the unders, it's like, it just, it was just a winner. Like yeah. overall, you know, some of that stuff. Yeah. The extreme plus money stuff is probably mispriced because they're usually not correctly filling out that distribution correctly. Um, but what would be maybe much more interesting, it would be like, Hey, um, here are all here's week 11 all of the running back and and wide receiver props receiving and you know rushing receptions up blah 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 um here is when limits went up here's what moved you know it was totally detached from any move in the market on the side or total and like this is you know basically just in general what the market um uh you know sentiment was and at the, at the time that people could get big time liquidity down like now that you know, I'm sure some people do that by hand, <laughs> but having yeah, a, sure. you know, having like a, a you know, a, a, a broader way of visualizing what was go- what's going on at any given time would uh, would appeal to people. I think what what went through my head was finding, you know, using unabated simulator, using a really good set of preseason power numbers, putting them in there, you know, trying really hard to beat out any bias out of that i suppose and then taking someone's really really good uh player level for bat lack of a better term fantasy football projections and then marrying those and seeing using previous data be like what kind of what kind of quarterback wins mvp based on this distribution of the results from the team and player level like what's what's left like who are the six guys at the end of the season who have the record, the maybe the above, you know, the, maybe above their baseline win total plus their stats that can can win MVP. Some sort of 
you know, like like we do. That's kind of what we do for these award markets. Just start crossing people off. Be like, they can't win enough games. He can't get enough stats. He doesn't have this, that, or the other thing. Like I've always wanted to work out a way to semi-automate that, but that sounds very complicated now that I say it out loud. <laughs> no, that's the fun part of the handicap. Yeah, I'm much. I'm I, the market side of it and the historical odds and what's moving. How many people ask for that all the time, Drew? For every sport. Like, oh yeah. Hey, can can you help yeah. me find like oh, old so closing cool. odds for tennis? Oh, like, God, yeah. good yeah. luck, buddy. Yeah. Now we're <laughs> sure. we're racking up our uh, AWS bills with all of the storage that we just keep dumping into the cloud. Yeah. I'm not sure we'll ever what we'll ever do with it, but hopefully someday when somebody goes, I wish somebody had this, we'll be like, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, that'll be useful. Well, you know. All right. Well, um, we've taken up enough of your time. Appreciate all of this discussion. This was in, you know, could do this for another two hours easily, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I got to go figure out who steamed that, uh, Mavericks warriors total to two seventeen. Um, best of luck getting that home guys. Um, it's not looking great. <laughs> I don't, I got some great unders, uh, cause I was like, I'm going to wait until tip and see if this gets steamed. And it definitely did, but much more aggressively than I saw coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of, uh, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. Uh, Andy, did you, are you sweating live canes? Yep. You got them. You got them to overtime. Yeah, I know. What is the, uh, if it I worked was gonna... with, it worked with the abs yesterday. Now I'm on if, a streak of just betting good teams when they're down. If, uh, the oldest trick in the book, buddy. If we were watching live lines for hockey, who, what, what book would we be trying to, uh, uh, keep an eye on Jack for uh, the, that's, a common, that's a common question on our discord is which books are the sharpest. Um, I think our <laughs> consensus and I, here's the thing I didn't know because I don't really bet a lot of hockey, but. I asked Pozzola, I asked Dink, I asked Dom LeCision, um, and Andy McNeil. And they came up with which books are the sharpest. And I think the consensus is Bookmaker is the sharpest, but it's a, a blend. Hockey, and yeah. Circuit is very highly rated. But that's pregame, right? Or live? Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. For in-game, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't say I've ever made an in-game NHL bet. I base my, my in-game betting on who has the best trackers. Like who, who has the best uh, little picture of a hockey rink with the puck on Or the, oh. the soccer dangerous attack. Yeah. <laughs> That three six five is always the fastest. They are they are pretty. Good. Although Andy was telling me Bovada was now the Bovada's kind of good. Oh, really? Live live yeah. uh, update. So go figure. Um, all right. Well, appreciate you again. Be sure to check out uh, Jack's work on his Twitter at Captain Jack Andrews. Cap Jack two thousand. Cap Jack two thousand. Thank you. Yes. At Cap Jack two thousand, uh, and of course part of unabated.com. Um, and uh, yeah, keep up the great work, man. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. I'll see you next year. Uh, fifth anniversary is wood. I'm just telling Ooh. you now. Oh, okay. So, we'll bring, some, so bring wood bring to the party. Yeah, yeah, carve we'll something. Ooh. Did you see me nod my way into the music there, Drew? Yeah, that was good. I, I feel like home team overtime uh, is solid in hockey. Is that a good is that a thing? I don't know, man. I, I don't understand last change even in hockey. That's supposed to be an advantage for somebody.